The Solid 7 Podcast is a proud affiliate of GORUCK. GORUCK designs and builds the toughest gear on the planet, tested and proven at thousands of GORUCK events held all over the world and led by current and former Special Forces combat veterans. The GORUCK brand stands for Building Better Americans, the Special Forces Way of Life, and a life-or-death approach to building the world's toughest gear. Visit Solid7Podcast.com and click on the GORUCK link to learn more about their gear and events, and a portion of every purchase and every event registration you make will go to support us here at the Solid 7 Podcast. Well, hello, world, and welcome back to a Solid 7 Podcast, a better-than-average podcast, if I do say so myself, and I think... We all know that I do. And coming to you this week with a very, very special and unique episode. I am, of course, your host, Kale. And here with me this week, um, I'm not even going to say in studio, in car, uh, is the the famous, the infamous um, podcast favorite, Mike Redacted. Welcome back, sir. Hello, everybody. And Glad to be back. In the peanut gallery and with the microphone, should he choose to use it? Uh, is our good buddy, Jesse the Builder. Good afternoon, everyone. So uh, I say very special, very unique. This is a first for the Solid 7 podcast. Um, we are coming to you live at the moment uh, from a Bucky's parking lot outside of St. Augustine, Florida. We are actually uh, in, in the car. We're, we're mobile. It's a mobile studio, truly mobile studio. And uh, we have uh, done some interesting engineering uh, to rig up the mics as we drive down the road here. And we're just going to see how it goes. Our, my apologies in advance to our illustrious and ever-talented audio engineer, Arthur Pipok. Buddy, you're going to have some work to do to make this one sound good. We are suffering for you, the listener. Uh, the AC is turned down. It is, of course, a hot day in Florida. In fact. It, yeah, and we're just going to suck it up and deal with it so that there's a little less background noise. But we're live from the car. Now, you guys, the listeners, the regulars know that we like to uh, keep it 100 here on the Solid 7 Podcast, as the kids say. And uh, so we've just had an awesome weekend. We are um, headed home from Sandlot Jacks, part due. And uh, it was fantastic. Yeah, I think I'd say so. Yeah. Um, both you guys sure. were, were there with our crew last year. So this was our second go at this and uh, loved it last year. And I, I think it only got better. Yeah, um, certainly better attended this year for sure. Yeah. It seemed like there were a lot more people here this uh, this year as yeah. opposed to last. And so Sandlot Jacks, of course, we've been pushing for a while is uh, our friends at Go Ruck. It's their three day um, fitness festival in Jacksonville, Florida. And um, well, first of all, you know, I'm, I'm all I'm discombobulated, if I may, here uh, trying to navigate exiting a very busy Bucky's while hosting a podcast. And I almost forgot that we are even now, even on the road. The Solid Zone podcast is fueled by Jocko Go. I am still armed with my Jocko Go. I'm going to crack this bad boy open. I'm going to drive. I'm going to podcast. I'm going to fuel all at one time. I feel like this is against Florida law. Well, you would know, sir. <laughs> I should. 
I, yeah, I should know, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm relying. This is certainly distracted driving. So if you get into a crash, you're most likely going to be at fault. I'm relying heavily on your badge and professional courtesy <laughs> for the remainder of this. <laughs> Let's this see trip. what it's worth. But so here's the thing I know that I make podcasting look easy. Um, I know from the outside looking in, uh, people think, oh, I'll, I'll just do, I'll just do a podcast, but it does. Um, if you're going to do it above average, it does take some work. It takes some effort and not everything always goes as planned and, uh, had a really fun guest lined up to record with this weekend while we were out at Sandlot Jacks. Uh, and it just last minute just couldn't happen. Um. No harm, no foul on the guest part. It was a it was a family emergency. Had to bow out. Uh, you know, of course, as a dad, get that things happen, and it's part of the risk I run just in the way the format of podcasts that I like to do, right? Like, where I'm not recording and then taking two or three weeks, um, you know, to to do the production and put together the podcast. It's a pretty quick turnaround because we like to do topical stuff. Um, we do some news of the day, things like that. And if you want it to be current, it's it's kind of got to be that way. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm usually on a pretty uh, compressed production schedule here. And so when you have a last minute cancellation like that, uh, it's just it's tough to fill that gap. Yeah. And so I'm not opposed like it's not that I'm never going to release a rerun or skip a week. You know, of course, we did a classic episode. We, we reshared the Sarah Wilkinson episode uh, back during the holidays to kind of take a week off. but. Uh, I'm just, you know, I love the listeners. I love doing the podcast. And if I can get original content out, I like to do that. Uh, Mike Redacted, of course, one of our favorite regulars here on the podcast, was already with me. The gear was already with me. We were all we were going to chat the whole drive yeah. home anyways. Yeah, we were about an hour into the drive and we realized, yeah. you know, we've had several topics here that we probably should have recorded or this yeah. is fodder for the material or for the uh, podcast. So why not? Why not? We're a captive audience anyway in the in the car. So, so here we are. Heck? Now, just uh, keeping the listeners up to date, um, I don't know how far into the pod we are right now, about five minutes. We've yet to make it out of the Bucky's parking lot. So, <laughs> and that blue Tesla right there is giving you the evil eye. Yeah. It's so funny when there's like a line of traffic, how people, it's like, if I don't, it's like a toddler. Yeah. Like if I don't right. see them, they can't see me and they'll yeah. just avoid all eye contact. Yeah. The beauty of the Teslas are if you just cut them off, the car will stop itself. Oh, okay. So you just nose on out there. But the doors are not impervious. The we doors have established are not impervious. <laughs> all right, so this isn't going to be an all like Sandlot Jacks rucking recap, but definitely like want to do that event service and share, uh, you know, just some of the fun and coolness from this weekend. It's so early on, like we we get to the event on Friday, day and one, day one, and you know we're parking and don't give it much thought and look at him, knew it, unbelievable. Knew it unbelievable um the tesla did not let me in just for no, the record that's not. that reaction um but so we get there and uh jesse's he's riding in the back uh mike redacted he's a tall guy so he gets front seat dibs he's he's riding shotgun and uh that just speaks to the jesse the builder being such a gentleman <laughs> I don't even know if we should put this in recording <laughs> out on the podcast. Hindsight. Uh, those, but, those folks have may still reach out. But Jesse opens my rear door right into a Tesla sitting next to us. And this was not this was not a superficial. It didn't like dent it, but this was definitely not like a clear coat scratch. No, that was a dime sized. 
It, scratch. And well, I don't know that it was that big, but it was legit, right? And so we're like, ah, oh, it'll buff, you know, out. dang yeah, it, yeah. right? So we're we're out at Sandlot Jacks day one. Um, we participated in the uh, the reunion light they were doing. Uh, Cadre Dan, Cadre uh, JC, uh, Cadre Fagan. If any of you guys listen, loved uh, doing that little light. Had a great time. Those guys are awesome. Um, but so we kind of have our fun that day, and we're headed back out, and we're walking into the parking lot. And I, you know, I think I'm funny. I think we all know this. And so I'm just giving Jess a hard time, as one does. And I'm like, Jesse, dude, if uh, if there's a note on my windshield from this Tesla owner, because they've got you know 350,000 cameras on them, I'm like, I'm lawyering up, dude. I am taking you to court. This is going to be on your dime. <laughs> and so we, you know, oh, haha, it's funny. We finish walking to the car. Sure enough, the guys walking right behind us. Yes. Are walking to get yeah. into this. Now, Tesla. to fully appreciate this story, you have to realize that when we parked, we did not get there at the same time as these folks. So they had no clue who we were. We had no clue who they were. And we were away from the car for what, six hours? Yeah. Seven hours? Yeah. And, and the event has what, thousands of people in attendance, and the parking lot had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cars. What are the odds? We really should have got yeah. some scratchers. And I'll say, like, before anybody's like, oh, you guys are shady. This was not like the kind of damage that warranted leaving them a note or anything. No, absolutely like, not. You you own a vehicle, you drive, you park, door ding, stuff like that happen, right? Absolutely. And I just see so, from a law enforcement perspective, yeah, that that wouldn't have warranted anything beyond so any, anything at all. But sure enough, these guys are right there. I mean, they were lo- walking as close as if they had been with our group, and it just happened to be them. And so Jesse, stand up guy that he is. Walks right over to the guys. He's like, and and owns it. Like, hey guys, wanted to, you know, point out when we got here earlier, you know, this in my car. I'm not usually doors flung it right open, and you know, just sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And the guys are like, whatever, man. It's a rental. We're it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so super cool guys. As is the you know, I was just messaging with somebody we met at the event today, um, who who just reached out on Instagram. I was like, hey, it was great talking. Great to connect with you. And my response was, yeah, like people make go ruck. Like Absolutely. the cool thing about go ruck is the, the people. And these guys were no exception. They were they were super cool. We hooked them up with uh, some solid seven podcast patches and stuff, uh, and, and all's well that that ends well. But uh, you know, it was an interesting uh, start. Yeah. What are the odds? And to be fair to Jesse the Builder, he he said it was the vehicle. We all gave him a good ribbing, and then we got to the parking lot for dinner. And sure enough, I did the same thing because apparently this vehicle has like V-shaped doors that just stick out like an extra foot than you would expect. So yeah, there is a part it, that kind of it, it wasn't out there it wasn't Jesse being being uh, bad. So, but you know, backtracking to just Sandlot Jacks at large. Um, kudos to um, you know Jason, Emily, uh, all the cadre, the the crew uh, from Scars, uh, everybody at Go Rock. <laughs> go rock, go uh, go rock. Um, listen, driving and podcasting, it's tough, guys. Um, ju- guys, you just knocked it out of the park. I just could not be a bigger fan of of this event and and what you guys do. And uh, we had a great time. Everybody we talked to, um, there were just no complaints. Um, and I mean, we did it all. We did we did the events. We we did the the fit talks, which are like the the TED Talk style talks out there, and just. Everything delivered. Um, I'll say for my part, I was a lot more intentional about just trying to connect, um, talking to people, meeting people, 
and uh, just had a great time with it, connected with some awesome people. I mean, Michael Easter, Sebastian Younger, uh, you know, Christian from, uh, uh, is it Uncharted? It's Uncharted. Un- Uncharted. La- Laverty or Lafferty? Um, no, uh, Shalf, I think is his last name. Oh, my um, people. There were just so BJ many. BJ Nestler. Honestly, it's, it's the, to speak of the event itself, there were yeah. so many names there. Uh, that were worth knowing people who had just genuine value adds to your life and that just I, I, I getting them confused there were too many well and it's such a unique event in that um and i'd love to shout out everybody and there's just there's just too many right and um the the cool thing is there's really no um backstage at this event like everybody that's there is just uh open and accessible uh of course got to connect uh with fran Rachopi. Uh, and Jenny and the whole crew from the Jenberg podcast was out there. Uh, Fran had his, his World War II uh, truck out there and was podcasting with just everybody, 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 killing also, it. What a really cool guy! Running him into him that day after the the event got rained out. That was yeah, yeah. He was just a real real down to earth guy. Yeah, uh, you know, Fran definitely a, a friend of the podcast here at Solid Seven. And uh, if you haven't ever checked out uh, the Jedberg podcast, one hundred percent recommend. Uh, they're just killing the game, doing a great job over there. So it was a lot of fun uh, to get to catch up with them and, and, and say hi to that gang. And, um, you know, the Go Ruck games were, were still going on. They hadn't quite hit the finale uh, when we left. And uh, those athletes that they have out there, just amazing. And it's cool because they invite all these top athletes from, like, the, the mud races, the type of people that do, you know, like Spartan and Savage Race and all that stuff competitively top CrossFit athletes, um, you know, uh, people who have either done really well or completed like go ruck selection, um, come out there. So these, and they just put them in such unique scenarios from the worlds they're used to. So even like part of that competition this weekend for the go ruck games was they took them all out to the shooting range. They did shooting drills with them. They did like um, live drills, like shoot, no shoot scenario drills with some munitions. And that was part of the competition for these athletes. So just so different from anything else, real prize money on the line. Um, so it's just awesome watching them do what they do. Just can't, can't say enough good things about it. Um, highlight from the weekend for you guys. Oh, geez. Um, I don't know. As, as brief as it was, I thought that hundred pound mile was actually probably the highlight for me. That was one I was excited about going in. Cause they've been pushing kind of the hundred pound mile more on their social media lately yeah. at go ruck. Um, yeah. I, I was surprised. Cause I mean, I, we were just been there for eight hours plus a day for the past three days. And that event took under 15 minutes. And I don't know why I just, it was, it was a lot of fun for me. I, I don't like, I liked it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, for any listeners that want to give this a go, there's no reason you can't do it at home. And it's exactly uh, what it sounds like. So there was uh, kind of a, a loop, a start endpoint for this thing, and you load it up with 100 pounds. It was a little bit of a mix of gear, so it was either like a, a chest rig or a ruck with some weight in it and then a sandbag paired with it to get you to 100 pounds total. And you did four laps of the grounds there to get a mile. Now, it was a, a little bit of a competition. They were doing it for time for somebody that wanted to do it competitive. And those times were crazy. What did yeah. we see posted as the mail time? The mail finishing time, the highlight time at the end of the day, or by the time we left on Sunday, was 8.30. With 100 pounds on them. With 100 pounds on. 
Uh, I finished in a gentleman's 18. Yeah, I was I was uh, right around 14, 14, 30, something like that. But even for people that have rocked, like every, everybody in the vehicle, like this is kind of uh, we had a, a couple other of, of our group, some other listeners out with us this weekend. But like here in the vehicle right now, uh, Mike Redacted, Jesse the Builder, this is kind of the ride or die crew. Uh, for rucking around here at Solid 7. Um, we did uh, the 26.2-mile star course oh, in Tampa cool. together. Yeah. We've done some other shorter star courses together, Sandlot Jacks. So we've ru- we, we, we've moved with some weight on our backs a fair amount. Um, you know, usually 20, 30 pounds, dry weight, then plus water, plus supplies, whatever. And yeah. I'll tell you, 100 pounds, even for just one mile, hits different. Well, and we, we realized this at the end of the day on Sunday here when we were helping them move gear to set up for the games that uh, it's really about how it's carried. Because I think if 100 pounds properly distributed on your shoulders, uh, front to back, left to right, not that big of a deal. But in this instance, there were different setups and everybody had their own little experience. I had a plate carrier and an 80-pound sandbag on my shoulders yeah. with straps to help me stabilize it. Jesse had a, a plate carrier and a bag with no straps, would be, which made it significantly more difficult. Yeah. And Gail said you you had a bag. Yeah, I had the easiest rested, rig. Yeah, it rested on your back. Yeah, I had a no ruck factor. with sixty pounds in it, and then a forty pound sandbag, and I didn't even I didn't even have to keep a hand on that sandbag. I yeah. threw it up over the shoulders. It rested on top of the ruck, and so I was you know as well distributed. And then, but I was able to maintain a pretty normal posture for when I'm rucking. Yeah, mine uh, was definitely not. I, I that weight was carried for the most part on my neck <laughs> for the whole yeah. mile. So, so it was very uncomfortable. But I don't know why it stands out as the favorite thing for me. Well, from from a fitness perspective, because honestly, I really enjoyed a lot of the fit fit talks. And the big surprise for me that I enjoyed the most was the stunt woman Jesse Graff. I actually really liked her. She did a killer job. Yeah. So uh, Jesse Graff was out there, and of course. Um, if you do go check out the Jedberg podcast, uh, Jesse's been doing a lot with them lately and co-hosting and, and killing it over there with them uh, at events like this. But, um, you know, she's a professional stunt woman, actress, and really accomplished um, Ninja Warrior competitor and just did this phenomenal fit talk just on recovery um, from injury yeah. and rebounding and basically not letting obstacles stick in your way. And I, I think that that resonated greatly with me. Obviously, I'm in no way shape or form her level of fitness but rebounding from injury jesse i think was taking a nap in the hallway weren't you at that time <laughs> I, I had just come in from the uh, rain and uh yes i was pulling up some dry land inside yes yeah the fit I, I think both of us could have appreciated if had you been present you would have appreciated it just as much as i did uh just for the same thing i mean struggling with injuries and recovering from uh, it's just it's hard it's hard well, and what was great about her approach to that stuff wasn't just the recovery and the and the rehab and just the like determination to to come back, but it's kind of like um, you know that Jocko mindset, just that you know good, good, right? Yeah. Like finding the opportunity in the obstacle where it's like, oh, my knee's injured. Okay, I'm going to improve and work upper body and build strength there oh my shoulders out okay or, you, you know okay i'm gonna work this other thing and grow strength and skill um elsewhere okay now it's my knees and my shoulders okay so now i'm gonna learn more about the body about the rehab side about 
why this is happening and how to prevent it in the future. And uh, they, uh, GORUCK records all these fit talks and ultimately they published them. I know they were on the Sandlot Jacks website uh, from last year. I think they might have also published them to YouTube as well. Oh, that's um, interesting because I would have actually liked to have seen a couple that we, we were conflicted. Yeah. I wanted to see Michael Easter's presentation, but, and, uh, but I don't remember what we were doing, but yeah. we missed it. Yeah, I we I, I can't remember if it was while we were doing the the light, um, but yeah, big fans of Michael Easter, really big fans um, of Comfort Crisis, and uh, that's probably if there's a downside, if there's a negative to Sandlot Jacks as an event, it's that you can't do everything you want to do. Absolutely. Um, you know, so you've got to make some tough choices, and uh, was was really happy. I mean. I think regular listeners will know that I'm a, a giant book nerd. Um, I am not one to miss a book signing or an author interaction and, you know, missed his because of the scheduling conflict and just, you know, luck would have it, you know, got to connect with him later on, got to uh, get an autographed book. Um, but again, though, that speaks to the type of event that it was and how approachable everybody was, even a big name like my, Michael Easter or Sebastian Younger. Oh, yeah. You know. Hey, I missed your book signing the other day, but I'd really like you to sign this. And he's like, "Oh yeah, just have me up in the hallway." Yeah, it's it's. Where just would a, you find that in any, anywhere else? Oh yeah, yeah. You, you, and, just, you wouldn't. And just su such a unique event, uh, such big fans. Um, I would say if you missed it this year, um, don't miss next year. I would keep an eye on GoRuck social media. Um, I would keep an eye on the Sandlot Jacks website. I have a sneaking suspicion. Um, that in pretty short order here, uh, one might see some very early bird pricing, um, out and available for next year. But just, you know, if, if it's something you're on the fence about, just, just go, uh, 100%. I, I just can't imagine somebody going and regretting it. Well, and the other side about that is, bro, you got to tap up. I see you keep going for the mic out of the corner of my eyes and you put it back down. What, say, go ahead. I'll let you talk. I'm oh, so wait, far oh, wait, wait, I just want to... No, go ahead. Yeah, try not to talk over you. <laughs> go yeah, ahead. I, my part that I was going to chime in with what you were saying about the lady that I did not get to listen to, and I am looking forward to that being uh, published at some point because that was actually a huge part of this year for me after coming off of a year where I've had some unexpected emergency surgery followed by recovery followed by yet another injury and if i had at that point had to decide to sign up i probably would have said no i, I shouldn't go i'm too hurt i'm i'm not going to sign up having already had the ticket from you know last year and i'm glad i went because you know i i'm, I'm learning and we talked about that on some of the some of the rocks that anything is better than the nothing even if it's not great, even if it's not everything you can do, just keep moving. And I have always had to move heavy stuff my entire life, my entire career since I was a kid. And you got to pick up and carry 80 pound concrete bags all day long, back and forth, you know, so the rucking to me was always something good. But that 100 pound mile, same thing. You know, it's a little bit different and how you load it and being comfortable carrying weight in awkward positions has been a life, unfortunate life habit sometimes just for the sake of work. And, uh, yeah. you know, sandbags more comfortable than a bag of concrete. I'll say that, but it's still work. 
And it's, you know, same thing. Yeah, I was disappointed I didn't get some handles on my bag, but I felt it the next day in my neck, and I was like, all right. But, I, you know, it was something new for me, and I enjoyed that play carrier so much, I added that to the collection. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that, Jesse, you just hit on that I, I, I think is also a value and worth, worth discussing, and a, a whole series of Fit Talks was on this and the value of an event like Sandlot Jacks is uh, community. Yeah. Community, community, community. And, like, you know, how much paradigm shift from the three of us happened this weekend from just being able to spend quality time with like-minded individuals, finding that community. And, uh, I mean, you need it. You absolutely need it. We get in these silos, not that we are like-minded, but we are, we all have kind of different outlooks on things that we can be sounding boards for each other. And, uh, I always learn things from you guys. And if you learn anything from me, forget it. Cause it's probably garbage, but you know, you need this, you need the community. So if you need a community, Join Solid 7 and 24. Well, and you know, so we spend three days out there-ish with, you know, thousands and thousands of people. Um, and, you know, no poopy faces, right? It's, it's smiles all around. It's people making connections. It's people doing hard things together. There, nobody cared or talked, like, there were no con political conversations. There were, you know, like, all those things that divide us so much right now, None yeah. of that was an aspect in any of the interaction between people that this true. weekend. Um, you know, um, and I think that's when you get out in community and when you get out and interact face to face, you know, that's the big discovery is that, you know, like the, the main things, the main concerns are just the same for a lot of us. Absolutely. Um, and it, it, man, it was such a great time. We saw um, the team from street parking was out there. And so street parking, I mean, I don't know. How, how do you describe it? I mean, it's not, um, it's, it's a few different things rolled into one, but it's the, the idea is that, um, you like you have it within you, you have it within your resources, within your time to, um, to work out and be fit and that there can be community and camaraderie in that. Even if you're doing that at home, especially if you're doing that at home, you know, in your garage, in your driveway, in your living room. And so, you know, street parking kind of offers that community, offers workout programming, offers support. And, uh, you know, the, the founder, uh, Miranda, is, uh, you know, she's a former cross, competitive CrossFit athlete, as is her husband. Um, but she's also a mom and a wife. And uh, she's like, you know, she talked in her Fit Talk about how, you know, as that, like, elite athlete, you know, maybe it can seem unaccessible, but when when she's doing the street parking thing, she's not that, she's still that elite athlete, but you also see that, you know, the kids are, you know, you're like trying not to hit the kids with your workout gear. You might have a kid crying in the background and you've got to find the time. And, you know, it's not always the makeup and the matching workout gear and, and whatever, and that you can still get that fitness in, still have that community and be supported and inspired by other people doing the same thing. And man, were they well represented uh, this weekend, like she's doing her fit talk. She's like, yeah. Hey, if you're a, a street parking member, stand up. And it was at least half the, uh, it was a packed oh, crowd. Yeah. And it was at least half the room, if, if not, not more. more. Cause there were, I don't know if you look behind us, but there were rows and rows of people behind us. Yeah. It and was, we were in the last row of the It seats. wasn't even standing room only. There were people sitting yeah, <laughs> on the floor. Like the, um, and a lot of that was, you know, they were, she was, I think two speakers ahead of Sebastian younger, yeah. who I think Sebastian was kind of the keynote yeah. after this weekend. And, uh, it's, and it's her still, crowd was bigger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That crowd was, was there for her. So, 
awesome to see them out there and connect with them and kind of get to hear and see what they were, were all about. Um, I, I just can't. We could go on and I could do probably a could do a full on episode this. on that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we were lucky enough um, to connect with a lot of these people. Um, and, uh, and hopefully, uh, some of those connections, uh, you know, here in the near future will turn into, uh, some cool podcast episodes. So hopefully we can bring some of what we experienced, uh, and learned, uh, from just some of these absolute leaders in, um, health and fitness in mental health, um, in preparedness, like uncharted supply, um, and just kind of being ready for the things that life throws at you. Hopefully we can bring some of what we picked up from them. Uh, to the podcast here in the in the near future so yeah absolutely yeah it's definitely there's a lot of value in it and a lot of you know and that's the thing i i kind of with the same mantra in mind as what street parking has uh, a lot of people would see and i ran into this myself because i ended up having a registration that went unused was uh i kept inviting friends and like super fit SWAT guys and all kinds of po folks who would just absolutely crush it physically. You know, they were, they were intimidated by the prospect of a three day fitness festival and uh, to a, to a T all of them turned it down a free ticket. And it's just, it's, it's not, it's you, you, you can go as hard in the pain yeah. as you want, or you can go for the intellectual side of a thing that, that, uh, that cool lady from Canada that we talked to today, you know, I, I don't know how much she was doing, but she was basically said she was sitting in a lot of the fit talks. Yeah. So if you get, there's, there's something for everybody there. Lots of families, a super cool environment. Couldn't speak highly enough of it. Well, and that's something that is, is so true of, of rucking and of the go ruck community and extends to Sandlot Jacks as an event, um, is how accessible it is. So yeah, we're sitting here talking about, um, you know, these leaders in health and fitness, these thought leaders, um, you know, these elite world athletes are there um, and that stuff's all cool, but equally cool is, man, we just saw people from all walks out there, all levels of fitness. Um, there's just something for everybody and even rucking like it does. You don't need to do a hundred pound mile. You don't need to do a 50 pound mile. Um, put some put some weight on your back and go for a walk with your kids, with some family, with some friends something's better than nothing. Yeah. It's, it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, you don't need to be prepping for go ruck selection to get benefit out of, out of rucking uh, and to get benefit from the community that, that comes with it. And, yeah. Uh, one, and one of the, one of the speakers was a mental health professional who actually started to incorporate physical fitness into uh, psychological counseling, which I yep. thought was really interesting because yeah. what we end up finding is we'll go on a ruck together and we'll sit here and talk for two hours. Basically they're doing the same thing, but it's a psychological counseling session. Right. And uh, well, what a cool idea. Cause you always, I mean, it's the endorphin release from physical exercise. Every, every little bit that you do is better than nothing. If you do a lap around the neighborhood with your significant other and you spend some time talking about whatever, you're going to feel better afterwards. Yeah, and it's just way better than running. I think we can all agree that running sucks. Um, yeah, I'll agree with that. And it was funny, you know, even uh, as we were doing the, the light event on Friday night that was incorporated, uh, just one little component was, hey, you know, drop your ruck and run a lap around this thing as fast as you can. And as we're coming back, you know, the cadre's comment was, that was just to remind all of you how much running sucks and that <laughs> rucking is better. And story. Uh, 100%. Uh, factual statement. We, we met, uh, 
a ton of listeners, ton of different people out there gave out a lot of the the new Solid Seven podcast patches while while we were out there. Um, if you're if you're listening and you missed out on that, uh, or you want a Solid Seven podcast patch, they are on the website. They're available there now. Uh, and I'm also throwing that in for uh, Patreon supporters now. So uh, existing supporters, um, they're going to go out in the mail and uh, new supporters joining there. Uh, you can, if you missed it at Sandlot Jackson, you were out there, or you weren't at Sandlot Jackson and you just want uh, one of those patches. They are they're out there and available. But j- just a ton of fun and, and hopefully some cool podcasts to follow because of it this weekend. Uh, and 100% looking forward to next year already. And, uh, you know, uh, Fran and, and Jedberg, they were podcasting from a vehicle all weekend now. Yeah, that's and, true. And so, look, look at us. Oh, man. Fran had the World War II vehicle. I have a Ford Escape. It's like it the same thing. Seems about right. Yes. It is the solid seven <laughs> yeah. version. Uh, for if sure. this were a 10, it would be a World War II Jeep. But so is life. Uh, so we're, we're talking as we're driving, and this is part of why it dawned on us. We're like, because I was kicking around the idea of just, of just doing a rerun and, and mentioned that, you know, didn't, I, I'm not opposed to doing that forever, but didn't want to do it. And uh, we were just talking about some interesting stuff. And we're like, you know what? Let's just, just cut an episode. And the one where it really dawned on us was we were just kind of talking, uh, you know, AI, which has been in the news so much lately because of chat, GPT. Uh, and stuff like that, but we were talking about it in the context of of military applications. Yep. And uh, you know, you sent me an article you were reading on this, kind of making, uh, and not in a, um, not in like a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not in like a sensationalistic way, but you were reading an article, you know, kind of ma- tying it, making the comparisons to Skynet and military applications. Yeah. So and really. It was uh, it was an article in reference to the military, uh, the Pentagon specifically increasing their defense spending requests dedicated to artificial intelligence warfare, uh, raising it to one point eight billion dollars annually. With a B. With a B. That's billion. Yeah. And that's annually. So that's a that's a significant amount of money. And General Milley, who is the chief of staff right now, uh, was basically making the point in the comparison to. Uh, artificial intelligence and weapons related to that is basically blitzkrieg and um, for, uh, combined arms warfare that the Germans perfected and resulted in them basically rolling over France in two weeks and Poland and getting so far ahead. You know, he pointed out that the Germans perfected blitz, blitzkrieg tactics and rolled over superpowers, peer adversaries in a matter of weeks. And the same thing will happen to us if we don't utilize this. And uh, what, what it's sensational in the sense that, you know, the, the chief of the Cybersecurity Warfare Division said flat out that this is Skynet. And the ramifications are potentially very great. So, you know, it's, there's some concern there to it. And I just hope it's, it's done well. Because I know Elon Musk has been very vocal as to it being, uh, we need to be responsible in our approach to it. Yeah, I think actually he was at one point saying we shouldn't do it at all or ban it outright. But I, I don't know, recall. I think he and he's not alone in this. I mean, there's definitely some some people that are, um, you know, knowledgeable in in the tech space like he is that are looking at hey, it it might be time to pump the brakes on this sum, and you know let's let's put up some reasonable borders 
Um, yeah, and then the other side of that too is independent of the article that we were talking about just now, which I believe can be found on the Epic Times. I'm not really sure what what the source was for it. Um, but I read another article like last week or the week before where ChatGPT uh, was asked about how it could destroy mankind, and it came up with some scenarios and basically said they could not stop me. <laughs> I was like. If that doesn't give people chills, I yeah, mean, it was. I wish like, I could remember the details. It wasn't exactly Chat GPT. It was something else. <clears throat> it's something I think kind of built on that. I don't even know if Engine is the right way to put it, um, but uh, you know, they were it, kind of wargaming this idea of like they put forward the challenge of you know like how would you annihilate humanity, and this thing took it upon itself to start trying to recruit these other AI systems. Yeah. Um, into Yikes. joining it and it couldn't convince them of that but then so it pivoted and changed its tactic <coughs> excuse me and so it was like oh I, I can't be stopped i'll do this and was going to go more like um you know informational warfare and disinformation and that kind of thing yes and started Wh trying is... to locate and recruit the use of weapons of mass destruction and which is also ultimately like if, if you have a malevolent or I, I think that's the word that I use other malevolent or benevolent AI, like it could ultimately become a thing where, you know, what's the easiest way to protect, you know, this country? Well, I won't have to protect this country if everybody else is dead. Yeah. You know, so it's like we might end up triggering Armageddon just because some some machine who who lacks emotion jumps to these conclusions well and that's the storyline to irobot right yeah. it's like everything's guided by these quote-unquote three laws and the idea is like at no point can you harm a human and the point at all times you have to protect humans yeah but the the ai comes to the conclusion that the the biggest threat to humans is humans are humans so um, it needs to have absolute control yeah so it's uh yeah, it's a scary time we're living in, I think, at least in terms of that. But, you know, if you if you wanted to fear monger, there's so many different things you could fear monger out, out there about, like, uh, you know, super volcanoes under Yellowstone. All, there's all different kinds of ways. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. If it's your time, it's your time. Whether that's Skynet or a super volcano, who's to say? Well, and part of the, you know, the challenge to this situation is... Uh, you know, even if we're willing to pump the brakes, even if we're willing to put some restrictions and some guidelines on these developments, um, yeah, I know where you you're know, going with that. Not everybody else is going to do that. And when I say not everybody else, I of course mean the Chinese. Right. Which reminds me, I do owe one more shout out from Sandlot Jacks. Uh, we ran into listeners from GoRuck Hong Kong at the event. Yes. Uh, this weekend and got to chat them up and such big fans of the podcast. Um, and they, they mentioned how hard the podcast can be, um, some of the episodes to get over there and, uh, mentioned how many listeners are, are over there. Um, so shout out to, uh, to go ruck Hong Kong. Really appreciate you guys listening and yeah. the support, uh, and, and what you're doing, but, yeah, uh, absolutely. you know, it's that, that almost has to, you know, China as they sit right now kind of has to set the pace of development of this stuff on the military side. And even if I don't, I'm not a big fan of um, AI uh, implementation on any kind of offensive, in any kind of offensive or, yeah. application. Really any military, uh, military application, I'm not a fan of. But if, it's, defense or if it's being applied offensively from some real threats, the only way... To balance that out from a defensive standpoint is going to be 
with AI. I think, you know, I don't see a way we solve um, challenges like countermeasures for hypersonic weapons with the targeting and stuff that's going to have to be involved in that without AI. So it's like, how do you do this responsibly but still keep pace? And I don't know if you said it when you threw out that 1.8 billion number, but that, you know, what the article indicated was that number was entirely dictated by just trying to outpace Yep. China's 1.6 billion, absolutely, in exp- you know, an expenditure on this every year. And I mean, just as dangerous as as AI development as could possibly be. And you imagine a country that has obviously from the COVID crisis uh, that has now become commonly accepted that the lab leak theory was the way it went. They obviously have no problem tossing caution to the wind and playing a little bit looser than we do in the United States. And that is deeply concerning with something that has the possibility of going rogue and wiping out all of humanity. Yeah. So hopefully they recognize the, the extraordinary power they're in and they, uh, they, they do it responsibly though. I'm not optimistic that that will happen. So I guess we just, we're locked into a, an AI arms race like we were with the nukes back in the day. And we just got to keep building and well, it's just, I mean, Although mutually assured destruction doesn't work if the weapon itself wants to kill us all. So. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Well, I'm good with that. <laughs> no, that, that's the whole point. Yeah. That's what I'm going for. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, it, it just feels like such a perilous time uh, globally and, and for, for the U.S., for, for freedom, for global stability. In fact. Um, for just freedom of travel and trade. Um, yeah. You know, I've seen this comment uh, lately of, you know, like most people alive today have never experienced a world in which cargo couldn't freely and easily be transported across our oceans. And it's the U.S. Navy that has provided that security for the whole world. Yeah, since World War II. And if we reach a point where the the U.S. naval forces aren't the dominant force on the high seas, that can go away. Yep. Um, yeah, globalization as we know it, which has led to the economic boom of our lifetimes and and the creating of more or less a one world, uh, that that'll be on its way out. And obviously, Peter Zeehan, who I've talked about before, and I know has been making his way around on some of the bigger bigger names out there in the news, uh, being seen clips of him everywhere. Seems like. Um, He's been talking about that, and it's uh, it's going to lead to again what Kale just said: perilous times. It doesn't have to be AI. I mean, it could yeah. be just a complete breakdown of global shipping and creating significant scarcity. And something as simple as potash, which is going to lead to global famine. So uh, it just seems like there's a lot of a lot of balls in the air yeah. right now as to like what could possibly happen tomorrow. Well, and that's that's kind of where I was wanting to lead the conversation was to uh, Peter Zahan cuz he's somebody you turned you you've been on his bandwagon for a while now even before he's kind of blown up uh in some of the bigger media channels. Um and so I, I don't even what what you call him, I guess global strategist. I think that's probably fair. Um, I don't uh so yeah, strategist is in, is in his title. He's a like a consultant for geopolitical affairs. But, you know, he's very bearish on on China and based on a a lot of um, economic and and demographic challenges that they're facing. And, you know, his his take being that their economy is kind of a a paper tiger. Um, 
and just, uh, you know, I can't do his take justice. You're more familiar with it than me. Uh, but basically, you know, for various reasons, not the least of which was their one child policy and things like that. Uh, they're a very top heavy society. Um, right. So they're, they're basically, if you were to summarize Peter Zeehan's take on the Chinese, is they more or less have this generation to m impact their standing in the world for the next generation because they're on the precipice of a gigantic population collapse. And if the U.S. Navy, which is kind of ironic because we're the big dog they're trying to take out, but if we actually stop uh, patrolling the oceans and it breaks down global commerce and increases costs and everything, it's going to lead to a famine that's going to decimate their population more than any others. Um, so, I mean, you're, you're looking at terms of, you know, they, they have like one and a half billion people now, but his estimates suggest that by like 2060, they're going to be down to half a million. Or not half a million, but half a, half a billion. Whereas the United States, because we, we really don't have to import anything, thank you, Jesus. You know, we're, we're a very blessed nation here. Um, we're able to self-sustain. Uh, we don't have to import a lot of things. We, we are self-sufficient. And where we do import, it's really because of a uh, political agenda. Like we could be completely energy independent if we wanted to be, but uh, let's go, Brandon. We're not. Hence the gas prices. Hey, I had to do it, man. Yeah. I know you don't want to go there, but I'll just throw well, it out there. Well, you know, it, it's uh, what I haven't heard Zahan break down is some of these more recent developments where, um, you know, Intentional or otherwise, I, I think it's fair to say that there's been some major missteps on the on the global stage in global relations with the Biden administration. And when, oh, no you, doubt. when you see the deterioration of our relationship with the Saudis um, and when Heck not even the Saudis, I mean, look at America's oldest ally, France, you got Macron completely buddying up to the chinese yeah and like what in the world was that we we saved your country twice and that was payback for yeah. you helping us create ours we should be the besties of the world so when you've got china negotiating um you know peace deals in the middle east uh when you've got um i can't remember what the deal was but there's been a deal recently where um some uh like Oil has always traded in the dollar. Yes. And so, and that's still, for right now, that's still largely the case. But China cut a deal with someone with their, that they're going to price and, yeah, and buy uh, directly in yuan. Yeah, that was um, Brazil. So, you know, part of why we've had the economic success and freedom that we have in this country has been from the dollar being the reserve currency of the world. And we're, we're starting to see cracks in that. And, you know, I, I'd love to see Zahan address how it changes his metrics on things with China and globally if we see things like the dollar being decoupled from oil, like the dollar not being the reserve currency of the world anymore. Um, how that affects his, his take and his breakdown on those things. I do remember that was addressed in his latest book, which is The End of the World as We Know It. I just don't recall the conclusions he drew from it. I want to say I do remember him talking specifically about the rise of regional trade agreements. So rather than um, the commodities being traded 
across the globe in the in the dollar, it would be more along the lines of like specific trading blocks. You know, the United States and its allies would would maintain specifically Australia, United Kingdom, um, but other maybe Japan, but others like uh, other European countries, Central European countries would then form their own agreements and trade in their own currency. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I don't know. Nobody knows what tomorrow brings, but uh, it's it's interesting times for sure. And I just what's frustrating is, you know, it, it's things that were avoidable. Like I feel like we've just kind of been outmaneuvered. Oh, no doubt on some of the and and something that I think gets real problematic in like a tipping the scales or you know balance of global power is you know we're for better or worse. You know, Putin started it in Ukraine. Okay, fair enough. Um, he was certainly emboldened by being allowed to take Crimea with little to no uh, repercussions. Um, but we, we've we just taken the tack, um, you know, as a country that we're... The, the solution we're, we're interested in pursuing there is defeat and humiliation of Russia. Not right, which, any kind of negotiated peace or ceasefire. Right. And if which China, no one wins from. If China comes in and is the peacemaker in that situation, uh, that, that changes a lot of metrics in the balance of global power. Absolutely. Because now they're going to look as the global, they're going to look like the global peacemaker. And they've already established significant inroads through the, um, what do they call that? The Belt and Road Initiative. Yeah. Um, so it's just it's a it, geopolitically it's a it's an unusual time. It, it's hard to look back because you obviously you need to have a historical perspective to think that prior to the events of nine eleven and year two thousand was probably the peak of the best times of the world. You know, it was the most peaceful time. You know. Obviously, no one knew that 9-11 was going to happen and the U.S. was going to engage in a 20-year-long war uh, that many you, you could probably argue the results of it, but pro didn't accomplish much from what, how much was spent and how much suffering took place. But, yeah, year 2000. Again, I'm stealing that from Zihan, So Yeah. It's, uh, you know, uh, again, like science fiction is, is fiction, right? But, you know, there's... Um, there's human nature built into that. Like that's why those stories, that's human stories. That's why those stories are compelling. And it's just, you, it's hard not to see the truth in these storylines of like you, you and I are, are both big nerds. Um, Jesse's moderately nerdy, but he's more interested in fishing and building things. Um, but like Battlestar Galactica, now spoiler alert, the old, I mean, even the newest Battlestar Galactica is old, so get over it. But, like, the, the newest iteration of Battlestar Galactica, where, again, this is another instance of humans battling the robots and the, the AI and the intelligence that they created, um, kind of alludes to, like, this has happened before, and it's a cycle. Yes. Right? Like, yep. Everything concludes and it just starts over again until, you know, they're going to build back to this point where it's going to be a thing again. And there's, you know, this, this concept out there of the Fermi paradox, which is why haven't we discovered other civilizations? Why haven't we 
like verified aliens and all this stuff. And there is this theory that the potential is that any civilization that even begins to approach the kind of technology for interplanetary, if not interstellar or intergalactic travel, um, gets to the point where where we are. Like, we have the technology. Forget the AI. We have the power right now to end life on this planet as we know it. Uh, you know, if it was no holds bar, if you just took all the restraints off. Like, there's enough firepower just in the U.S. and Russia alone. Yeah, absolutely. To end life on this planet other than the cockroaches uh, and those sorts of things. And so the idea is that every civilization, civilization that's gotten big enough has just destroyed itself and can't progress past a certain point. And as we have these conversations about these kind of power struggles uh, with the Chinese, with the AI, it's hard not to see the potential for that being truth, you know? Right. Well, I mean, the other side of the Fermi paradox also postulates like living in a simulation or that's one of the other jobs about or uh takes on that uh but it's it's it, it doesn't change the fact that it's, there's just so many possibilities about what's going on yeah and, and know, there's a lot of science fiction behind both of those those you know the matrix is kind of the living in the simulation take but also machines taking over but the, you know then there's also star trek where we all come together and, you know, just start to live as communists or socialists and we don't need money and we just become explorers and everybody uses replicators for their needs. I guess there's that potential. Um, you know, I think it's as pie in the sky as actual Marxism and communism is <laughs> and totally denies uh, yeah. truths of human nature. In fact. Uh, but I guess Star Trek is at least a slightly more positive science fiction outlook. Yeah. Yeah, and then you even have like uh, the Borg, right? The the Borg would be the uh, artificial intelligence uh, gone rogue that takes over a, a species and then continues to seek to expand through assimilating people yeah. into its con what do they call that continuum or whatever. Yeah, the the Borg is it the Borg continuum. Borg continuum yeah, yeah. You might be right about that. Which so. I, I so we're gonna we're gonna have to put this one on hold, but Picard season three is really good. I know you said you haven't watched it because season two was, was pretty bad. But. Yeah, well, normally uh, you're our, our resident Star Wars expert. Yeah, but I'm talking Star Trek. Right, right now. but I'm saying, but so it's... Oh, but do you have a Star Trek expert, expert you and I me? don't, I don't, oh, okay. but I'm saying, like, normally when you're on, we would talk some Star Wars, and we can still do that. Yeah. Because um, we've got, we've Mando, had some fresh content in bad Mandalorian batch, season three. Ahsoka, um, OMG, you want to talk about Ahsoka? But, uh... You know, we're Star Wars fans as well. I kind of grew up watching Star Trek uh, Next Generation with my with my dad. So I'm more Trek-y than, no, Trekker than Trek-y. I think that's the distinction there between OG. OG is the Trekkies. Trekkers would be the TNG generation and those spinoffs. Um, you lost so, me. I don't know. I, you, whatever. It's all of just, it. Just the, how you reference the fandom. How close are you going to follow this tractor trailer? I'm just curious. Hey, listen. <laughs> would you like to host... Um, so, uh, I was just trying to not cut this guy off over here. Um, but, uh, so we I have was, to remind the listeners that we are driving. So I wanted to throw that out there. I was really excited for the fresh Star Trek content, uh, for discovery, for strange new worlds, and especially for Picard, um, coming around. Yeah. And they just couldn't help themselves with baking in 
you know, 21st century politics and social commentary. Yeah. Um, and all the stuff that goes along with that right now into this universe that has existed for decades and is well established as this fictional society and universe and whatever. And all of a sudden we're going to inject these concepts that have never been incorporated, never been an issue, never. It, it just, it, to me, like it, it breaks the storyline. Uh, you know, like if this was a thing, it would have always been a thing. Yeah, it would have been a thing for a um, long time. It wouldn't it, have just now been been a thing. It just became preachy. It just, it just doesn't even make sense. Like well, the body positivity and discovery. You're a naval officer. Well, even if you're an explorer or not, there's some physical fitness standard there. Like yes, you, you're not going to be overweight and out of shape and living your best life. No, you're going to have some expectation of being able to handle business. Yeah, and so I just don't understand it. It's 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 illogical as the Vulcans would say. And so some of that just turned me off of shows that, like, I was the target market. I was pre-primed to love these shows. So, um, and, and that's why I brought it up, is season two of Picard, in my opinion, while still worth watching if you can get past the ham-fisted wokeness that they did with it, um, was uh, it turned a lot of people off. But if you are a fan of The Next Generation... Season three is 100% worth the watch. And uh, there have just been several moments where I kind of geeked out. And the, the little plot devices they used to reunite the original cast was, uh, you know, and that's not a spoiler because that's on the poster for yeah. the show. Um, what is this guy doing here? Holy he, cow. He don't know. Listen. If we all die in a fiery car crash right now, listen, listeners, guys, it was for you. Yeah, driving in Florida, it's, it's special. It's uh, there's a lot of people who aren't from here, who aren't exactly sure of where they're going, and it shows. So while we normally stick up for Florida on here, and a lot of our the whole Florida man rep, not entirely well earned. I don't think our crazies are particularly worse or different than anybody else's crazies. I'm pretty sure folks can't drive in New Jersey just as yeah. much as they can't drive here. So that's not really a Florida but thing. Like. The the person on vacation bad driver is a special brand. That is true. And us locals were pretty adept to driving in pretty heavy rain and weather, and most people are not. And when it's a complete downpour, uh, it it gets real interesting. If if you're the if you're gonna like be in any lane and throw your hazards on, uh, and just kind of drive slow because you can't really see. You need to get off the road and stop driving until you're comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. PSA. The more you know. Do, 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 do. Exactly. Uh, but anyways, yeah, I've heard nothing but rave reviews about yeah. season three. I, I've just really, I've really enjoyed it. Um, it's been, it's, it's just worth the watch. I can't give anything away. Because I haven't even seen the season finale, which only landed last, last, the Thursday, uh, just this last week. So, you know, I haven't seen that yet. I will be watching that tonight. But, uh, yeah, so far it's been amazing. I hope the season finale doesn't just, you know, put it on its head. Yeah. But I, uh, I, always, I, I like Kale, grew up on the, on the Next Generation cast, and it's been really cool kind of seeing him reunited and jump ahead in the, in the kind of the series lore a solid uh, couple decades and just seeing where everybody's at. I feel like they, I will just say, because I always liked Riker a lot, I feel like they did a disservice to his character. Really? For this season. And I, I wish you had watched it, or even you, Jesse, if you'd like to chime in about Star Trek things. 
Actually, uh, Star Trek Next Generation, same as you, Kale, uh, every day, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Yes. Watch that with my dad. And, but for reasons already discussed, I eventually just lost interest. It was no longer about the show or exploration and became right. a political mouthpiece of... Yeah. <laughs> it was like, but, yeah, and, and only, it only this newest stuff, like... Yeah, I don't think Voyager or Deep, Deep Space, Space Nine, Nine were like ever that. as quite right, quite no. like achieved quite that level. No, no, of of next generation, but they were still good. They were still good. I watched those. I watched those. But yeah. it's these new iterations the ones, of no. Discovery and Strange New Worlds. I mean, mm-hmm. Next Generation was still my favorite. And like with Strange New Worlds, like when they introduced Captain Pike in Discovery, I'm like, yes, this yeah. is like traditional OG. Like this is yes. a Starfleet captain. I couldn't wait for that spinoff. Um, and then uh, I think it was episode I, episode three or four is is oh. when they lost me, when they went <laughs> yes. with basically treating yeah. Spock like, you know, yeah. like his dilemma of being half Vulcan, half human was basically like the non-binary or the, or the trans right. kind of issue. And you can't, there's a character telling him you can't let these people define you and basically decide your own truth. And it's like, you know, they're retconning Spock's character, Spock's storyline. Not that he didn't ever struggle with his humanity. That was always part of his thing. Yeah, but it wasn't painted in the terms of like a trans, a trans person's journey or whatever they call it. Yeah. And finding his, his yeah. own truth. In it. And I'm like, wanted to love this show. Uh, and having a trans like pirate captain be yeah. the mouthpiece for the whole thing was, uh, was, I think those, it just the I, straw I, there that go back to this back. all the time when we talk about this stuff in media. It just felt forced. It wasn't natural within the storyline to me, and that's when those things just just feel off putting and, and preachy. I'm 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 not opposed to never having a storyline along those things, but like writers, just do better. Yeah, yeah. So. I actually I I don't. It's been so long now. I don't remember where Star- Strange New Worlds ended up, but I finished that series out. I I liked it. Um, oh, you, that's right. You told me it, several times yeah. I should go back to yeah, it. Yeah, because the, the finale ends with a, with a Balance of Terror kind of episode, which was really good. Yeah. Um, I, I will say, and uh, I, I do want to talk some, uh, some non-science fiction space uh, before we wrap this episode. But, uh, you know, on that line, uh, several of the, the team over at NASA Space Flight Use a turn signal, guy. Um, Virginia <laughs> plates. Virginia plates. That's all I'm saying. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, they're big TNG fans. And they, every, it's funny, these last few episodes of the season, I haven't been watching, but I've been living vicariously through the, through the team over at NASA Space Flight. Just like, season, uh, you know, episode seven is the best episode of Star Trek, all series, hands down ever. Then eight. I know we said this about seven, but eight's even better. Nine, <laughs> like just building all the way it, to this it's crescendo. It's been really good. And I, I'm not going to give anything away uh, with what happens in the show, but it really, the plot line ties with the whole cons- uh, talk about artificial intelligence. I'll just say that and how it can, it can be weaponized. So it's just, it's such a good season. And I, I it, just like you said, I, keep, I watch an episode and I'm like, dang, that was amazing. I can't wait till the next. It's been so good, and this is very rare for me to do. I anxiously await the release of the new episodes and watch them the day they land. And uh, 
I, I don't think I've ever done that with a, any of the recent Star Trek, Star Trek shows. Now, the, the assumption or, you know, what was widely reported going into this was that season three was going to be the last hurrah. But there's plenty of buzz now about either, like, in that time frame of Star Wars, that TNG uh, point in the timeline, either doing a spinoff uh, or them, them doing It's just been so huge for them. Yeah. Uh, I said for a long I I thought uh, the adventures of William Riker and the crew of the USS Titan were worthy of a, a series of themselves. And maybe that'll happen. Uh, maybe not. Probably not. But as with anything, Hollywood will see some money to be made and they'll they'll jump right on it. Now, this I, was supposed to be a three season run. I've um, you I'm know, sure I, I may be shooting myself in the foot here. I may be sacrificing a potential podcast guest here. But for my money, I've always preferred Jonathan Frakes, who plays Riker behind the camera rather than in front of it. I think he's really? a better director than he is an actor. Well, that's probably fair. I just meant more along the lines of I like Picard as a as a captain, but like uh, the Riker of TNG was more of like the Captain Kirk kind of style of 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 uh, Starfleet officer, and I think that's why I liked him. Yeah. I don't know. Because well, I kind of grew up on uh, the original series. And, uh, well, I really grew up on both. So, uh, before we move off of nerd media, uh, oh, we haven't even touched Star Wars. That's been Star Trek the whole time. Mandalorian season oh, three, okay. uh, is, is completely out and available. So, as an Uber fan, you're, you know, uh, scale of one to 10 for the full season. Where did it land for you? Okay. I, I'm going to put a caveat to this because I'm an outlier here and I'm going to, I'm going to say, Precursor comment to the whole thing. I think my opinion of this show and the season pivots on the fact that I'm sad that there's no more Mando for like a year and a half now. That said, it was a good season. I really liked it. A lot of all the storylines got wrapped up. There weren't a ton of filler episodes. They all kind of natural. Once you get to the end of the season, what felt like filler episodes ended up being non-filler episodes. Right. Um, I just, golly, I mean, I just wanted something different. I wanted more. Yeah. And I felt like maybe six out of 10. I don't know. I liked it, but I, I didn't love it. And I'm the outlier here. Everybody I've talked to has been like, oh, that's the best. It was amazing. I love the season finale. I just, I don't know. I was looking for more. Yeah, it's, you know, for all the dearth of entertainment that we have now, with all the different streamers, there's so much consumable media out there now. But the trend that I hate the most, that 100% is Netflix's fault, is this seasons are only like nine of a show are only nine to 13 episodes now, and there, it's not an annual release. It can be this crazy amount of time yeah. yep. in between. I'm like, no, a TV season is like 21 to 23 episodes. Yes. And you owe me one season a year. Right. Yes, absolutely. So I mean, it's it, like, it we're been, done after nine. No. It, it Well, I think Mandalorian only does eight episode seasons. Uh, but either way, yeah, it's eight. But either which way, it had been 18 months since season two came out. See, I thought. You got a trooper up ahead on the right. You might want to move over. I thought, good looking out, buddy. Um, the, uh, I thought part of that, though, was driven by COVID. So I'm wondering if now that fair. we can all agree that it's well and truly over um, with just some really sad outliers. Um, that uh, that maybe we'll get a quicker turnaround on the next season. Here's hoping, but I will say, and I, I think this is really what it, what what got me 
is I was I was so just jazzed up because of the announcements that came out right before the season finale dropped that I was hoping that some of those announcements would be tied into the season finale because it was just very conspicuous yeah. timing that they made all these announcements about uh, Dave Filoni and John Favreau getting a movie. Um, they're that's potentially, huge. That's huge news, news and yeah. it was going to tie together the Star Wars television universe, which yes. is going to be Book of Boba Fett. Uh, the upcoming Ahsoka show, which looks phenomenal, um, and The Mandalorian. Which is really cool and a little MCU-ish of them. Um, oh, sure, but they, know, it's all the it's about the dollars. I mean, they saw what worked for the MCU, and they did the same thing with their properties. So Dave Filoni, for the listeners who, are, who aren't familiar, is basically just this Star Wars super fan, super nerd, who may know the universe better than George Lucas himself. And just managed to end up living out his dream and getting involved and was heavily involved in the animated shows. Yep. Um, and has really kind of come into his own now with the live action shows. And now is finally, so they just had, you know, whatever big con. I think we talked about this with somebody on the pod here recently. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they made some big announcement about the coming slates of shows and movies and Dave's going to get his own movie to tie out the storyline of these overlapping shows. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I know we're not, we're not, uh, we're not friends or anything. White Ford Explorer could be a cop, could be a granny. We won't find out till they pass us. There's no roof rack and it's dark tent. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Moment of truth. That's a cop. That's not a cop. Come dude. on. Look at that tent. It's man. not. There's no way. There's no police vehicle. That's going to have a personalized sticker on the back. window. Listen, if you call yourself a fan, if you're a listener of the Solid Seven podcast and you own a Ford Explorer as a personal vehicle, I'm going to need you to trade it in. Can we all? It's just not cool. I mean, Chargers are right there, too, but the Explorers yeah. especially. Can, can we just not? Can you not terrify all of the drivers around you and make yeah, us slow down? Get a different down? color than white. Uh, yeah, definitely get a different color than white. Uh, but anyways, like as happy as one can be for somebody that you don't really know personally, I'm stoked for Dave Filoni to get that chance oh, to, for to sure. like make a legit Star Wars movie. And as a Star Wars fan, I'm ex I'm excited because those those guys have done better with the story than all these other offers. Like the sequel trilogy, I think we can all look back on Force Awakens through Rise of Skywalker. Anybody with two brain cells that that can rub together and look at it and say, man, given three different directors, totally different story control is going to create this discombobulated mess, which is what we got. Now you have continuity of purpose. You have, and it appears that they're mining the expanded universe for stories and they're going to tell a great story. The story, if I, if my suspicions are correct, that launched the expanded universe. And I'm just, I'm excited for, where this is going for us as a, as a Star Wars fan. So yeah. I think it's going to be awesome. Well, speaking of the sequel trilogy, um, I thought we were largely done with the Skywalkers. Man. And lo and behold, no, one of not. the new slate of movies yeah. is going to be focused on Rey uh, rebuilding the, uh, the Jedi Order. So, yeah, again, well, Uber whatever. fan, how do you feel about this? Uh, thoroughly indifferent. Will I see it? Uh, yeah, I suppose probably. I mean, I, 
I won't like go out of my way not to see it, but I'm not going to be like banging on. I'm not going to be yeah. paying any movie theaters to. I'll watch it for free when it lands on on uh, Disney Plus. As a more moderate fan than you, I'm stoked in that like I I like Daisy Ridley, I like Ray. I just felt like the the movies kind of did her a disservice, didn't develop her as slow or as well as they could have or should have. Right. And maybe this movie will kind of right that ship. Yeah, it very well might. That's what I'm saying. I'll, I'll happily watch it. I mean, I'm not... I actually am one of the few people... I have this argument all the time. I have a friend who absolutely hates the Rise of Skywalker. Like, they, they brought Palpatine back, story arc. Like, somehow. It, somehow he's back. Well, it, it, the pro, well, that's what I meant about the discombobulated mess. And I know we've talked about this on here before, but when you give three different directors story control, you're going to have that. Yeah. If it had been J.J. Abrams from the jump and he had control over all three, he could have told that story and started building it in Force Awakens, which I think that was his plan. And then it went a totally different direction with Last Jedi. And then it came back to, to Palpatine and Rise of Skywalker because they realized, oh, wait, we need to do something about this. So I don't know. It's This whole thing is uh, it's just... Eh. I don't know. We'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, I'd say of the three, I may be most excited for the third movie they announced, which is going all the way back to the High Republic. Right? Like, heyday of the Jedi Order. Yeah. that's so. Uh, is that a movie? I think that's going to be a, a show. That's no, the they, Acolyte. No, the third movie they announced is like going way back. Yeah, I thought that was a show, though. I, they announced three movies. I'm pretty sure that's the third. Oh, I don't know. Far be it for me to correct you on Star well, Wars I, news. I'm just, but. I'm not that. So the Acolyte show, which is the one that takes place in the High Republic, is what I've read about it. I'm not excited about it. I just, I, I actually, so I was reading the High Republic material that they started pushing out. I didn't really care for it. Um, so I stopped reading it. I don't, I haven't even been staying up on it. So. Okay. So if we, if we may, if I may. Pivot to the non-fictional space news. Um, as I discussed on uh, last week's podcast with Chris Arroyo, uh, SpaceX was on the verge of finally um, doing their first full-stack orbital launch of Star Starship and the Super Heavy Booster. So they were targeting the 17th. They got all the way down to like 10 minutes in the count. Had an issue with the frozen valve. Um, couldn't get it done. Couldn't make it happen. So uh, when did they recycle to? Because this is Elon. 420. Of course. And uh, they managed to get it done. I mean, they got to zero in the count. And they launched this thing in spectacular fashion. Uh, so for any listeners that haven't already heard me talk about this, aren't aware SpaceX was doing this, um, Starship is their, their new fully reusable launch system that they've been developing in Boca Chica, Texas. This is by far the largest and most powerful rocket ever designed, ever built, now ever flown, it's just shy of 400 feet tall. So it, can you speak to a comparison? So what really struck home for me and for maybe the, the lay listener, the, the lay space nerd, the comparison to the Saturn V rocket, which yeah. is what took us to the moon. Yeah, this is insane. So 
for almost 400 feet tall, 30 feet around. It's a skyscraper. This thing is a freaking skyscraper. Um, stage one is the super heavy booster. It has 33 Methalox engines on the bottom of this thing. Um, if you've ever heard of the rocket that Russia was trying to develop as their moon rocket, it was called the N1. It had 31 engines on the bottom of it. Four attempts, never had a successful flight. Uh, went boom every time. So 33 on the bottom of Starship. Not as crazy as it sounds. SpaceX is already successfully flying 27 Merlin engines on Falcon Heavy. Not a giant jump to 33. It's a totally different engine. It's different fuel. Um, it, it's, a di it's a different engine design, the way the engine works, everything all together. So it's still difficult, but they've got some experience doing this. Um, the booster produces at launch over 15 million pounds of thrust. Um, whereas the... Uh, Saturn V, so previous to the recent SLS launch, Saturn V was the most powerful rocket ever flown. Um, I, I believe it was more powerful than the N1 at 7 million pounds of thrust. More than twice as powerful as a Saturn V. Um, it's more than twice as powerful or, or close to almost twice as powerful as... NASA's new heavy lift rocket, the SLS, that they just launched. Um, I think I misspoke on last week's podcast and said it was capable of transporting 100,000 pounds to orbit. It's more like 150,000 pounds to orbit. It's just a complete, just a complete game changer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and capability. And it's fully reusable, right? Like, that's their whole shit. The goal is, is will... for it to be fully reusable. Yeah. So... The science fiction that is landing orbital class rockets that SpaceX pulls off that they do with so successfully with the Falcon 9 is still just the first stage. It's just the booster. So they recover the fairing. So that's a little cone at the top that protects the cargo. Um, they recover the fairings and they recover the, the booster. But the second stage is still expended every time. It's still a loss. The, the goal with Starship will be that both the booster and the Starship vehicle, the second stage, will both land and be reusable. Um, and even that, that's crazy enough. They're going to catch the booster in the air with their launch tower, not land it. That's crazy enough. The way they're doing stage separation has never been done before, where they're literally initiating a flip, like a cartwheel with the vehicle, with the centrifugal force of that flip, pulling apart the stages and separating them. Um, there's a lot that's unique. There's a lot that's never been done. And they finally launched um, on the 20th. And boy, was it something to see. And it's, you know, I know I just talked about it, the potential for it a lot last week. And I wanted to bring it up again because they didn't make orbit. Okay. So immediately at launch, there were two of the 33 engines out. It's got, it's still more than, far more than enough power to get the vehicle into orbit. It totally had, even Falcon 9 has engine out capabilities. Like a Falcon 9 rocket can lose an engine, maybe two, uh, and still make orbit. It's not, you know, but as it's flying, you know, you're seeing other engines drop out because it's a methalox engine, because it's burning methane. It's a real clean, clear flame. It's not dirty like the kerosene is where you see all this soot. 
you can see the engines very clear. And if you go back and watch the video, see the pictures, you can see kind of the engines that have dropped out. And I think it was before it was all said and done, they had lost, I, I've seen anything from like six to eight engines. Uh, and so it achieved a height of 40 kilometers. So it made it through max Q. So it made it through the point of the highest dynamic pressure on the vehicle. That's massive for a developmental rocket. Absolutely. If, if, if there's going to be structural, structural failure in a rocket, it's going to happen at max Q. It's when there's the most pressure on the vehicle. So it made it through it, you know, setting expectations going into this, just getting off the launch pad without exploding, without destroying the launch, you know, facilities was going to be a win making it through max Q. It was a massive win and they got a massive amount of great data on this. And I've seen in a lot of like non-space mainstream media, I've seen this flight touted as a failure because Elon bashing is a hobby. Um, but within the space community, this was a wild success for the test flight of a developmental developmental vehicle and one that's more advanced really than anything that's flown before. So it made it to 40 kilometers. So they had lost several engines. They failed to get stage separation. <coughs> and on all rockets uh, in America, uh, whether they're private or public, you know, NASA developed, we install flight termination systems. Basically, we install explosives so that if things go haywire, you hit the bye-bye button and you're not endangering life and property. Uh, and so it actually tumbled like cartwheeled multiple times, but was still within like its safe flight path. So you don't want to hit the self-destruct any earlier than you have to, because that whole time you can still collect data. Uh, so it tumbled a few times <coughs> and then they finally hit the bye-bye button and you can see the two very distinct explosions from the booster and then the separate STS or FTS system. Uh, for Starship, for the second stage. But it was just incredible to see. What's, what's crazy is the power of this thing. Um, you, you go and look at the footage now, and the crater that it blew through the concrete underneath the orbital launch mount, you can watch this slow-motion, high-def video of chunks, massive chunks of concrete being blown out into the ocean. You can watch them impacting out on the water. Um, going back, referencing the team over at uh, NASA Spaceflight, uh, they had a van. They were, you know, they let media set up cameras and all this stuff, and they had a van parked in a lot that they were using and had cameras on. And one of the other <coughs> um, groups doing coverage, Lab Padre, caught on one of their cameras this massive piece of concrete. Uh, impacting the back of NASA space flights van at a high rate of speed. Yes. Um, and just taking out their van and just seeing once all the photographers and media got to go out and pick up their cameras and stuff, seeing the absolute carnage of cameras and lenses and all, and all these, like this is a known risk in people who cover this stuff. Like if you're doing launch pad coverage, you're placing cameras, you know, you're taking a calculated risk there. Oh, absolutely. Um, and so I'd say if you're a spaceflight fan, um, you know, go and uh, maybe become a Patreon supporter, uh, you know, or, or be a subscriber or buy some merch from like Tim Dodd, Everyday Astronaut and NASA Spaceflight um, and uh, these photographers that are producing these incredible images of these launches like John Krause and Trevor Melman. Like they've all got some gear to replace. 
Uh, so, you know, if you're kind of into these things, maybe uh, throw a little love their way monetarily to uh, to spring for some new cameras and lenses and, and whatnot. Uh, but it, it was just incredible to see. Wildly successful. They definitely have uh, some work to do to uh, get the launch facility back in condition to launch again. What Elon has put out is he thinks they can be – They already there's already – Starship boosters and second stages starships ready to go, uh, ready to stack and go. Uh, so he's saying he thinks one to two months they can have the launch facility rather again. How much of that is Elon time versus reality? Yeah, I mean, who's to say really? But I, I think what's what's really cool about this, and I like that we're uh, we're ending we're kind of ending on this topic because we spent the first I don't know after the GoRuck talk we spent thirty something minutes talking about how the world could possibly end. And now we're ending on the bright spot that's on the horizon and the colonization of our solar system. And it's just, uh, it's just an exciting time when you, when you look at it in terms of like what that rocket's going to enable the human race really to do. That's, uh, uh, man, science, science fiction's becoming science fact, and I think it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's, uh, you know, it all ties together. You know, we had uh, Andrew Cho on just a couple of weeks ago who's the, uh, the engineer working on, um, you know, the transit habitat from moon to Mars. And, uh, you know, the moon's that first step back into the solar system. And, uh, you know, we're not going to put astronauts back on the moon without Starship. Like, SpaceX won the Lunar Lander uh, Award from NASA. So it's, yeah, uh, the Orion capsule and SLS, that's going to take our astronauts out there to the moon. But it's Starship that's going to take them down to the surface. Um, and so it's, it's cool to see it all, all coming together. It's, it's cool to see, you know, Elon's aspiration is making humans multiplanetary. Uh, and so there's that, yeah, you called it. There's definitely some bright spots there. Yeah. It's exciting. Now, Jesse, did you have something you want to say? You had the mic up and you put it back down. You have extremely good peripheral vision, sir. I, I would just like to point that out. <laughs> yeah. But no, right on what you were saying, that bright spot and what they're doing with this. And I was just going to say to go where no man's gone before. Uh, I like the. Yeah. Star Trek reference, nice, nice, nice. Tying it together that's, in the biz, Jesse. That's that's uh, a callback. What oh, they call that? I, I learned that from a, so, a wise man I know. Now, I mean, you've got uh, you, you know regular listeners will be well aware that you know it's kind of my uh, my son that sucked me back into my interest in in space and in rockets. Uh, you know, you guys both have young sons. Like, is this on this on their radar? Are they into this? Is this stuff? inspiring or interesting to them at all go ahead jesse i'll let you answer that yes and no um i i am trying to to get them interested uh, they do they love to run outside anytime there is a launch that we can see from the house and one of the lovely things about living in central florida is you, you can see a lot and um there's they'll always stop in their tracks to watch and it's on our list to uh you know try to get them over to see some up close i know you and i have kind of talked about that and some good places to be when that happens um this summer we're hoping to catch a night launch over there so uh, they you know they're not much into to planes and in space but uh we'll see we'll see once they see one up close i think that ignites a passion uh, unlike anything else. So I can speak for, for the redacted clan. So uh, my son has been to the Kennedy Space Center and then the Johnson Space Center in Huntsville, Alabama. Oh, nice. 
and he has been to a night launch and is a huge science fiction fan, unsurprisingly, courtesy of his father, and is, uh, I wouldn't say wholly uninterested, but yeah, not psyched about it at all. Really? Does not, doesn't seem to care. He's not like anti, but he's, he's certainly not excited about it. Interesting. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I feel like not unlike maybe NASCAR uh, for some people, um, you know, that in-person experience tends to be what makes fans of skeptics. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those things that up close and personal, it's something different maybe than what you experience watching through a, ske- a screen or from a distance. But yeah, different strokes for different folks. It's not for everybody. Yep. But uh, I do feel like, uh, you know, most guys, something about the... The roar of those engines does seem to well something up inside of you. I mean, just the the where we've come from and what we've been able to accomplish thus far, and what we what we have on the horizon for us. Any fan of science fiction should be just stoked and excited about what's coming next. And you know, if you're a fan, I'm not going to go down another science fiction trail, but like it, it's like uh, the colonization of Mars will probably happen within our lifetimes. Yeah. There will be people living permanently on Mars before we pass. Unless yeah. the, you know, Skynet was. Yeah, if we don't nuke ourselves. If there's that. Yeah. I mean, if, if we don't nuke ourselves and the machines don't do us for, do yeah. it for us. Yeah. So. Well, uh, boys, appreciate you getting out again this weekend, adventuring uh, with me and uh, filling in the gap on, on the podcast here. Listeners, appreciate you tuning in for this uh, interesting <laughs> episode. You know, though, this. I don't think this is that different from what any other episode that we normally do. No, I'm going to be real interested to hear uh, the audio on the other side of this. I'm, yes. I'm looking forward to listening back to this one uh, yeah. myself. But listeners, we appreciate you tuning in as always. Listen, if you heard us talking about Sandlot Jacks and that community, uh, that camaraderie, um, just kind of the fun and the challenge of those things, and you feel like you missed out, uh, miss out no more. Uh, you know, we're, of course, a proud Go Ruck affiliate. Uh, hit up the website. Hit that link. Um, you know, snag a, a ruck, snag some gear, uh, and just get out and get after it. Sign up for an event, sign up for a star course, uh, something, anything, get out there and, and get active for sure. So just because you missed this one doesn't mean that you have to uh, miss the next one. And, uh, you know, there's all kinds of fun stuff you can do while you're there on the website, which is of course, solid seven podcast.com solid, the number seven podcast.com. There's uh, links to the current episodes. Uh, links to our affiliate programs, of course, with uh, Go Ruck, with Origin USA and Jackal Fuel, with the Tuttle Twins. You can uh, check out the new merch. You can snag yourself one of those coveted, highly coveted, I would say, Solid 7 podcast uh, patches. You can rate the podcast, uh, become a, a Patreon supporter, all kinds of cool stuff right there on the website. But uh, the best thing you can do uh, to help out the podcast. If you haven't already, whatever app you're listening on, uh, hit that subscribe or that follow button, you know, give us a, a little rating, tell others about us, uh, you know, help us out with those evil algorithms of the AI. Uh, all that is a massive, massive help. And, uh, until next week, we're out. Farewell. The Solid 7 Podcast is fueled by Jocko Go. 
Engineered for anyone who wants to get after it in life, pre-meeting, pre-testing, pre-negotiation, or pre-mission. If you're looking for an extra cognitive or physical edge, Jocko Go is your force multiplier. With 95 milligrams of caffeine and zero sugar, the keto-friendly Jocko Go will give you a physical and cognitive boost without the crash that you experience with average energy drinks. Visit JockoFuel.com today. And you can use our promo code SOLID7, that's S-O-L-I-D-7, to get 10% off your order. Get on the path and get after it. Oh, and because lawyers exist, these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. And this product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.